0: are a blessed, <clears throat> excuse me, a blessed nation, and uh, I am so very thankful um, how God has poured out His blessings upon our nation. Open your Bibles, if you would, to Exodus chapter <clears throat> chapter 17, Exodus chapter 17, if you're using the black Bibles there in the chairs, it's page 47, Exodus chapter 3 one of the most colorful people in history i don't know if you if you've done much reading i, I most of most you know i love history but <clears throat> david livingston is is probably one of the most colorful characters in history he um uh, uh anyway i got a picture of him for you so you know what he kind of looked like <clears throat> there he is uh, he was born in 1813 and died in 1873 uh <clears throat> I'm going to read a little bit about him so kind of help you put into context this man's life. With four uh, theatrical words, Dr. Livingston, I presume, uh, words journalist Harry Morton Stanley rehearsed in advance. David Livingston uh, became immortal. Stanley uh, stayed with Livingston for five months and went off to England to write his bestseller, How I Found Livingston. Livingston, in the meantime, got lost again uh, in a swamp literally up to his neck. Within a year and a half, he died in in a mud hut, kneeling beside his cot in prayer. The whole civilized world wept. They gave him a 21-gun salute, uh, and a uh, hero's funeral among the saints uh, <clears throat> in uh, West, West Westminster Abbey, uh, brought by faithful hands out of the out over land and sea. His tombstone reads reads this: David Livingston, missionary, traveler, philanthropist. Did I say that right? Okay, for, for I can, That's one of those words that. For philanthropist, yeah, okay. Uh, for 30 years of his life, uh, was spent in an unwearied effort to evangelize the, the 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 native race, and explore and discover secrets, and to abolish the slave trade. At the age of 25, after a childhood spent working 14 hours a day in a cotton mill, followed by learn learning. In class on his own, Livingston was captivated uh, by, the, by an appeal for medical missionaries in China. As he trained, however, the door to China was slammed shut by the o- opium war. Within six months, uh, he met Robert Moffat, a veteran missionary to South Africa, <clears throat> who uh, e- e- enchanted him with tales of his remote stations, Uh, growing uh, in the morning sun with the smoke of a thousand villages where no missionary had ever been before. For 10 years, Livingston tried to uh, be a conventional missionary in in South Africa. He opened a string of stations in uh, the region beyond where he settled down to station life, teaching school and uh, and superintending the, the garden. After four years of bachelor life, he married his boss's daughter, Mary Moffat, uh, who later ended up dying. She died in the jungle uh, several years later. Uh, from the beginning, Livingston showed signs of, of restlessness. After his own uh, convert uh, decided to return to uh, uh, polygamy, Livingston <clears throat> felt more called than ever to explore during his first term in South Africa, Livingston made some of the most uh, dangerous explorations of the 19th century. His object was to open a missionary road, or God's highway as he called it, 1,500 miles to the north into the interior uh, to bring uh, Christ- Christianity and civilization to unreached people. For two years, he simply uh, disappeared. Now, I'm I'm skipping ahead here, okay? Uh, But for the the last two years of his life, he just simply just disappeared. Without a letter, a scrap of information. He reported later that he had been so ill that he could not even lift a pen, but he was always able to read his Bible. In fact, he read it four times straight through during this time of illness. Livingston's disappearance uh, franicked the public, and that's when American journalist Harry Harry, uh, Stanley found Livingston. The news exploded in England and America. Papers carried special editions devoted to the famous meeting in August of 1872. A, uh, precarious, uh, uh, in precarious health, Livingston shook Stanley's hand and set out for this final journey. You know, <clears throat> he, if you ever have a chance to do any reading on on Livingston, you ought to do it. He's he's just a really kind of a colorful character, kind of kind of went against the grain of most modern thinking when it comes to uh, missionaries and in, in the world. In fact, uh, I I think that he a lot of what he did back then has set the tone for missions today. Uh, but anyway, I said all that to say this. David Livingston rested his faith in one Bible verse. He was an incredible man of faith, and, and his, his, the strong faith that he had rested in one verse. And it's Matthew chapter 28, verse 20, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even until the end of the world. Amen. In fact, let me let me clarify that. He, his, re, his faith rested in not, not, a, not an entire verse, but half of a verse. The promise of Jesus Christ that he would never leave us and that he would always be with us. That was how David Livingston was able to go into the furthest reaches of Africa to endure the hardships, to 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 watch his wife die on the banks of 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 uh, of a river uh, that they were exploring, trying to reach a, a people that had never heard the name of Christ. It all came down to a half a verse, and this is it. <clears throat> and lo, I am with you always, even until the end of the world. David Livingston put his faith and trust in that very powerful statement by our Lord. He knew that no matter where he went, no matter what he did, that the Lord would always be with him. In Exodus chapter 17, we are going to see another disconnect from the children of Israel, if you would. If you know anything about the Old Testament, uh, particularly in the book of Exodus, excuse me, uh, and and beyond really, the the, the nation of Israel was a nation that, that fluctuated they would walk with God for a little while, and then they would fall away, and they would they would follow other gods for a while, and then God would come and do something in their lives, and they would then they would come back and start following Him, and it was that cycle uh, through through uh, I call it a cycle through life because we do the very same thing. I I don't want you to raise your hand, but I want to ask you a question. Do not answer this question out loud. They just answer it in your head. How many of you woke up this morning thinking, oh, I get to go to church this morning? Chances are <laughs> chances are some of you uh woke up this morning thinking, oh, today's Sunday. Am I wrong? I know I did. <laughs> just hey I'm being honest. I, I'm I I mean I'm a I've got jet lag some serious jet lag going on here. And, and I honestly, I woke up thinking, ay, ay ay today is Sunday. But you know what? Now that I'm here, I'm glad I'm here. But this morning, I didn't want to be here. See, the, the, the reality is this. We cycle through life, do we not? We have good days and we have bad days. We have days where we want to serve God and then there are days we just honestly don't. David Livingston was, one of, was a man who understood no matter where he was, no matter what was going on in his life, God was going to be there with him. The children of Israel, as we will see this morning, <clears throat> struggled really with the same, with the same concept. They struggled with the fact of why does God forsake us? See, in chapter 16, God had provided manna for them. Manna from heaven, and 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 in a miraculous way, and and then now now all of a sudden they're they're coming to the to the, the the next chapter, and they're they're going to be complaining again, and it's like how many times does God have to show Himself strong in your life for you to understand this? I tend to see a lot of similarities between the life of Moses and the life of David Livingston. They were both very colorful uh, historical figures, both men who loved God and walked with God. But let's start reading in Exodus chapter 17 in verse 1. And it says, And and all the congregation of the children of Israel journeyed uh, from the wilderness of sin after their journey according to the commandment of the Lord and pitched in uh, uh, Rephidim, And there was no water for the people to drink. Wherefore, the people did chide with Moses and said, Give us water that we may drink. And Moses said unto them, Why do you chide with me? Uh, Wherefore, uh, do ye tempt the Lord? And the people uh, thirsted there for water. And the people murmured against Moses and said, Wherefore, is is this that that thou hast brought us out of uh, Egypt to kill us? And our children and our cattle with thirst. And Moses cried unto the Lord, saying, What shall I do unto this people? They be almost ready to stone me. And the Lord said unto Moses, Go on before the people and take with thee uh, of the elders of Israel and thy rod, wherewith uh, thou smotest uh, uh, the river. Uh, take in thine hand and go, and behold, uh, behold, I will stand before thee there upon the rock in, in Hebron, and thou shalt smite the rock, and there shall come uh, water out of it, and the people may drink, and Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel. And he called the name of the place uh, Mesa <clears throat> and uh, uh, Meribah, because the uh, the chiding of the children of Israel and because they tempted the Lord saying, is the Lord among us or not? Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we want to thank you again for this day. Thank you for your love. Thank you for the work that you do in our lives. And But Lord, mostly we want to thank you for never leaving us, for always being there for us. We love you and we thank you. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. See, as the people were moving through the wilderness, they were, they were actually on a, on a journey. They, uh, God was bringing them through the wilderness, and the ultimate destination was Mount Sinai. They were, they were going to be going to Mount Sinai here in, in, the, in the next chapter, I believe. Uh, <clears throat> but they're on their way to Mount Sinai, where God would then deliver to Moses the law. So they were on this journey, and in in this journey, they come to this place, and there's no water for them to drink. And they start to murmur, and they start to uh, complain, and and Moses gets fed up with it, and he says, "Why why are you taking it out on me? It's not me. The title of my message this morning is, The Lord is with Us. The Lord is with us. See, David Livingston endured some very, very difficult situations in his journeys, but his faith in the Lord never wavered. He always knew that God was going to be there for him when he needed him. And because of that, he was able to accomplish much. My first point this morning, we see in verse one, he has a purpose. He or if you want to read, God has a purpose. God has a purpose. Look at verse 1. And all the congregation of the children of Israel journeyed from the wilderness of sin after their journey according to the commandment of the Lord and pitched in Rephidim, and there was no water for the people to drink. So let me let me just start off by, by <clears throat> saying this. God has a purpose in everything that He does in our lives. I remember back many, many years ago, uh, <clears throat> I was going through a very difficult situation. And I, I was talking with a friend of mine, and, and I made this statement. And I, I don't, some of you probably have said similar things. But I made this statement to my friend. I said, I can't believe I'm going through this again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Ronnie. <laughs> Me and Ronnie are on the same page here. Okay? How many of you have ever thought that? Okay. My buddy looked at me and he says, you better get it right this time or you'll be back here again soon. And, and at the time I thought, what? And then it dawned on me. God, God had brought me to a place in my life where he was trying to teach me something and I wasn't learning it. So what happens when you fail? Start you start all over again. And when you fail again, you do it again until you get it right. <clears throat> wow, what wisdom from a, from my friend. Not from me, but from my friend. I remember in boot camp, I've told this story before, so if you've heard it, just for, forgive me, but I'm sure there's somebody here that hadn't heard it. <clears throat> in boot camp. We were kind of kinda near the end of boot camp and and uh, the, my company commander had called me into his office and he and he says he says Lynn I want you to take so and so and so and so and I I want you to go here and to do this and anyway he gave me an order to 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 do and 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 uh, so I, I just said okay and turned around and walked out the door. Well, I I no sooner cleared the door, and I heard, Lynn, get in here. So I turned around, came back, and he says, give me 50. So I pumped out 50 push-ups and got up, and he did the whole thing again. I said, okay. Out the door I went. Well, again, I barely got through the door. Lynn, get in here. Well, this... (laughs) This went on for a little while, and and as as I was pumping out push up number two hundred, okay, four times he did this, and I'm and I'm going, you know, one hundred ninety five, one hundred ninety six, and then when I after the the two hundredth push up I stood up, he went through it again. You know what I said? Sir, yes, sir. And turned around and walked out and I was good. <laughs> what was he what was what was my company commander trying to do? He's trying to teach me something. And I wasn't getting it. See, God's the same way. And the children of Israel had just been through it. They had they had gone through this period with no food or water, and, and God had given them manna, and they and they still didn't get it. So he brings them to Raffidem and and he and he gets them to a place where there's no water and uh, they they just weren't getting it. Have a question for you. Was God in control of the situation? Absolutely he was. Who was doing the guiding in our story here. Look at verse 1 again. About halfway through, and it says, after their journeys, according to the commandment of the Lord. Who was doing the the guiding, if you would? God was. If you understand the story preceding this, during the day, God had a pillar of, of cloud that the children of Israel would follow. And at night it would turn into a pillar of fire. So God was directing in their steps. So we could safely say when they camp at the at, at Raphim, they are exactly smack dab in the middle of the will of God for their lives. But yet they had no water. See, God has a purpose in everything that he does. <clears throat> Point number two: uh, the test is repeated. In verses two and three, we see the 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 the, the complaining of the people and the fact that they that they. Uh, <clears throat> I, I love the end of chapter or in verse three, the end of chapter three. He says, "Wherefore is uh, is this that thou hast brought us out of Egypt to kill us and our children and our cattle with thirst? You know, and and what are they saying here? They're 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 saying what? You mean to tell me we went through the ten plagues and all of that mess and crossing the Red Sea and all of the things, and, and God has brought us to this point so that we will die of thirst? Now, now, on the surface, you've got to understand what they're going through. They're thirsty. They don't understand what's going on. They 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 are following the will of God. God has directed them to this valley and there's no water, and they're thirsty, and their cattle are probably uh, bawling and, and wondering, you know, you know, they want something to drink too, and, and all of this stuff is going on, and, and we, being de- detached from it, can look at that and criticize them and say, God just did that a chapter earlier for you, can't you trust Him again? But I want you to stop and think for a minute. what was the test that God was trying to put them through? They needed to learn how to trust Him. They needed needed to learn how to trust God. Now, let me ask you another question. Why does God bring you and me through different trials and struggles? The exact same reason. Because God wants us ultimately to do one thing. That's to trust Him. Because if we will trust Him with our lives, if we will trust Him with everything in our lives, then the rest of it becomes kind of easy. But the children of Israel had not learned how to trust yet. Warren Rearsby wrote this. <clears throat> Every difficulty God permits us to encounter will become either a test to make us better or a temptation that can make us worse. And this is the key right here. And it's our attitude that determines what it will be. See, what happened here to the children of Israel? It is a, very simply put, it is a test of faith do you trust me? If I bring you to Raphadim where there's no water, do you trust me? And the children of Israel failed the test. How often in our lives does God bring us to situations in our lives? Sometimes daily. And He puts us to the test and we failed the test. God simply wants us to trust Him. And you think, but Pastor, wait a minute. You don't understand the circumstances that I'm in. Well, I, Maybe I don't, but I do know this. God wants you to trust Him. And David Livingston was a man who just, just a few words in Scripture, in Matthew chapter 28... He was able to to anchor his faith and know that everywhere that he went, God would be in control. The one story that I read, he was in mud up to his neck, and he never ever wavered in his faith. Romans chapter twenty-eight, uh, chapter eight, verse twenty-eight says, "And we know that all things work together forget for them." That love God to them that are called according to his purpose. Now, again, we've talked about this many times in our church, but look at the word all. Do you think the word all encompasses all the good times that we go through? Absolutely, it does. But it also includes all the hard times that we go through. Amen. All things. Everything that you go through, there's a purpose. everything that you go through, there's a reason, and it is to strengthen your faith so that when it when it boils down to it, when life is falling apart, you can say, "Okay, God, I know that you're in control. James chapter one, verses twelve to fifteen. Blessed is the man that endureth temptation. For when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to them <clears throat> uh, that love him. Let no man say that when he is tempted, he is tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempt ye any man. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away with his own lust and enticed. Then <clears throat> when lust uh, hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin, and sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. See, God has a way to bring us, bring us into places in our lives where we need to make the choice whether we are going to trust Him or we're not going to trust Him. And when we don't trust Him, we cross the line into sin. It is a, it is a matter of us learning to trust God, learning to, to say, okay, God, You are in control of my life. Take over. Point number three. Let's look at Moses's reaction in verse four. And Moses cried unto the Lord, saying, "What shall I do unto this people, that uh, uh, they they uh, be almost uh, ready to stone me?" And I love Moses's reaction. It's really, really simple. He just turned to God. There's 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 really not a lot to, to misunderstand here. When the difficult times came, the children of Israel complained and wanted to kill Moses. But at the same time, Moses didn't complain. He just went to God and said, help. Moses' reaction was very, very simple. He turned to God. King David oftentimes, not always, but oftentimes, Did the same thing, and I I was remembered uh, Psalm chapter forty six verse one. It says, "God is my refuge and strength, and very present in time of trouble." David understood that God ultimately was the one that's in control. David, whenever, uh, again, not whenever, but most of the time, when David was in trouble, he turned to God. What is what is our default mechanism? when When the trials of life come, you're going to you're going to react. What is your default re- reaction? What is the one thing that you default to? Do you default to complaining and and, and and questioning God, or do you just like Moses say, "You know what, God, what do I do now? See and and, the, and when our reaction is like Moses' reaction, the, the the result of that is you're learning the lesson. See, Moses understood God was trying to strengthen their faith. He didn't have all the answers. He asked God, what do I do? He didn't have all the answers, but his reaction was to turn to God first. Verses 5 to 7, we see the instructions. And the Lord said unto Moses, uh, to, to, to get the leaders together and to grab his rod and, and to go to a particular rock and to take that rod that he used to uh, do all the miracles in, in Egypt <clears throat> and to take that rod and to smote the rock one time and the water come rushing out. The instructions. When Moses was obedient, the need was met. The lesson here is really, really simple. In fact, it, it sounds almost too simple. But the reality is, if you're obedient, the needs are met. It's really that simple. Psalm chapter 105, verses 39 to 41, says, And he, uh, he spread a uh, a cloud for a covering and a fire to give light in the night. And the people asked, and and uh, he brought quail and satisfied them with bread and, uh, uh, of heaven. And he opened the rock and the water gushed out and they ran uh, in the dry places like a river. See, God, God was not bringing them to rapha them to punish them. He was bringing them there to strengthen them. I cannot tell you how many times I have people come to me and say, why does God hate me so much? And, I, and my, my response is usually, I, I, I normally, I, I, I don't know, I can't see my face when I do it, but I feel like I have a stupid look on my face. Does that make sense? I have a stupid look a lot, okay, just saying. But I, I just, and I, I look at them and say, why would you say that? God doesn't test us. He doesn't bring us into these situations to punish us, but to strengthen us. See, the you, you you if 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 we think that every time we go through a difficult time, that God is punishing us, then we don't we do not understand the love of God. It is the love of God. That brings us there, not to punish us, not to punish us, but to strengthen us. The rock here in this story is an incredible picture of Jesus Christ. More often, uh, uh, very often, particularly in the New Testament, but even in the Old Testament, uh, Jesus is referred to as the rock. In 1 Corinthians chapter 4, or excuse me, chapter 10, verse 4 says and did all drink the same spiritual drink, for they drank of the spiritual rock that followed them, and the rock was Christ. Now now get this, and please, please get a hold of this, because this is kind of central to the whole story here. Jesus Christ is represented in the rock, and it is the rock that provided the living water. And Moses was told to take his rock, his rod, excuse me, and strike the rock one time. And by doing that, was a picture of the, the, the crucifixion of Christ, because he would die once for us. And, that it, and it was through that rock <clears throat> that the the the, the, uh, the that would flow living waters. Now, those of you that are familiar with Scripture know that in Numbers chapter twenty. Moses gets angry at the children of Israel again because the rock dries up. And well, let, let me read it for you. In Numbers chapter 20, verses seven and following, it says, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Take thy rod and gather thou assembly uh, together, thou and thy bro- uh, Aaron thy brother, and speak ye unto the rock before their eyes. So what does he tell them to do? He, he tells them to go to the rock because the rock dried up. The people are complaining again. So he says, okay, go to the rock and speak to the rock. And they shall give forth his water and thou shalt bring forth uh, to them water out of the rock. So thou shalt give the congregation and their beasts drink. And Moses took the rod before the Lord, as he commanded him. And Moses and Aaron gathered the congregation together before the rock, and and he said unto them, uh, Here now, <clears throat> ye rebels! Much, uh, excuse me, must we fetch you water out of this rock? And Moses lifted up his hand. And with his rod, he smote the the rock twice. So what did he do? And he did not do what God told him to do. And see, the 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 rock is a picture of Christ. And what happened? Moses Moses was so upset at the people because of their lack of faith that he he went to the rock and he took the rod and he just and he hit the rock twice instead of just speaking to it. And and by doing that, well, let, let me finish reading. Um, <clears throat> and the water came out abundantly, and the congregation drank, and the beast also, and the Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron, because ye believe me not to sanctify me in the eyes of the children of Israel, therefore ye shall not bring the, this congregation into the land which I have given them and And Moses that day was denied entry into the land the promised land, because he lost his temper. And he ruined the picture that God had had set up. See, Jesus only had to die one time. But because Moses' temper got the better of him, and instead of just going and speaking to the rock, he hit it again, twice. Ruining the picture that God had set up for us. And the reality is this. How many times did Christ die for our sins? Once how often can we go to the rock and speak to it? As often as we want. See, it was a wonderful picture that God had set up so that so that the children of Israel could see the love and the faithfulness of God. But in verse 7, there's an interesting statement here. And He called the name of the place Mesa, And uh, Meribah, I guess that's how you say it. That's how I say it. That's all that matters. Those are two interesting words. The word Mesa means test. Think about this. God had brought them to a place for a test. He was testing them. The other word, meribah, literally means uh, contention or quarreling. So, in other words, God brought them to the place of testing and they failed the test. As I was sitting and putting my thoughts together and preparing this message, my mind went back to my own life. And I kind of pictured my life as, as a big map. And, I, and, I, and honestly, I thought, wow, how many places on the map of my life are called Mesa and Mirba or whatever that is. There's been a lot of testing and a lot of failure in the testing. Amen. <laughs> See, God put the children of Israel to the test. And they didn't do too well. Just as in your life and mine, God puts us to the test as well. He brings us to different places in our lives, and and sometimes the place is called a test, and sometimes we don't we don't do so hot in it. So what does He do? He moves us. He moves us. And and, and you know, I want I want to make one thing kind of kind of clear here. See. <clears throat> the, the 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 period of time that we're reading here, we 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 often call it the wandering of Israel. And 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 the word wandering gives the idea that they just kind of haphazardly just kind of wandered through the wilderness, and they they kind of just went where they wanted to go, and blah blah blah, and and there was no point, no rhyme, no reason to it. But the reality is that there was purpose in everywhere that they went. They, it was not a wandering in the sense that they've just kind of kind of flittered around and just kind of went where they wanted to go. No, God directed them specifically through each valley, over each mountaintop, and, and, and in, the, in this this journey of sorts, this wandering, there were many lessons to be learned along the way. And there are times in our lives where we feel like. We're just kind of, I, I don't know, this kind of tells my age here. Uh, you, you feel like a pinball, don't you? Those of you that know what a pinball is? You're just kind of bouncing off of stuff and 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 circumstances of life are controlling you instead of you controlling the circumstances of life. and th- and there can there can there can be times where we feel like God is not in control and that our life is spinning out of control. But the reality is this, God is always in control. He always is in control. He knows what you need. He knows where you need to go. He knows the struggles that you're in, and He knows the struggles you're about to be in. And in each and every one of them, there's a lesson to be learned. And instead of fighting against the the struggles of life we need to be cognizant in fact okay god what are you trying to teach me here what is the lesson i need to learn here is it patience is it is it oh i hate that one um is it you know I, i mean you fill in the blank i mean there's a lot of things we need to learn Corey ten boom wrote this don't bother to give god instructions just report for duty I like that. Let me close with a couple of questions. Are you struggling today? It could be, it could be this morning that there that there's someone here, probably multiple someones that's struggling with life right now. You feel like you're in the desert with no water. And you're and you you're you're wondering, saying, God, what what are you doing to me? You, you know, the, 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 I don't have any water to drink. I, what is what is going on? That could be what's going on in your life today. I I, I don't know. It could be that someone this morning is carrying a very heavy burden. Growing up in Southern California, <clears throat> we used to go to Disneyland uh, often, just I mean, because we only live like five five or six miles from Disneyland and i don't I, 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 I don't, I don't know if I could find it today, but whatever route we took going from our house to Disneyland, we would always pass a statue in front of the Atlas Van Line. You know know the Atlas Van Line? Okay, the the moving company? Well, they had a huge warehouse not too far from Disneyland and we would drive past it and I remember as a kid driving by feeling sorry for the guy in the statue (laughs) because it was a statue of this really strong guy, i.e. me. (laughs) No, this really strong guy and on his back was a globe. The and and it, you know and I, I used to feel sorry for that guy. Boy, he, he's holding up the whole world. I, you, know, when, you know, when you're a little kid, you see things like that. But there is somebody here this morning that feels like that guy. The weight of the world is just crushing in on you. And you don't know what to do. The promise of God is this. He will never leave you nor forsake you. There's a a lesson to be learned here. And instead of fighting against it, embrace it and say, okay, what am I to learn? And I can promise you this, I know the answer to the question. He wants to strengthen your faith. Will you trust him? Micah chapter 7, verse 7 says, Therefore, I will look unto the Lord. I will wait for God, the God of my salvation, my God will hear me. If you understand and go back and read this passage, Mike is, is in a struggling, a time of struggle. And what does he say? He says, "You know what? I'm going to look unto the Lord, and He will hear me." Psalm chapter 61, verse 2. For the end of the earth, <clears throat> excuse me, from the end. of of the earth will I cry unto thee. When my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. David, what was David saying? David was saying, you know what? My heart is overwhelmed. Again, the picture of the guy holding the world on his back. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. See, Jesus wants you this morning to run to the rock because the refreshing water is just waiting. All you have to do is ask for it. See, the children of Israel had it all backwards. God wasn't punishing them. He was trying to strengthen them. And Moses, understanding this, Ran to God. And what did he do? He provided the rock. What are you struggling with this morning? I don't know what it could be. Me? I'm struggling with jet lag. (laughs) No, seriously. You know what? We all struggle, do we not? We all do. Sometimes our struggles are private, sometimes they're public. But each and every one of us has the potential to take a difficult situation, and instead of allowing it to make us better, it makes us bitter. God doesn't want us to do that. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for this day.